Are we ready for what's coming on the earth? I told you last week that I'd be talking to you a little bit about this because of things that's been developing uh, uh, this week, and it'll go on for a few more weeks, of course. And that is the Olympics that's happening in Japan. And uh, the Olympics is really a, a sort of a, a worldwide effort to try to bring harmony and unity to all of the nations, all of our countries, so they can just go there and compete in physical exercises and so forth. Uh, but underneath what's happening in the world, there's troubles. There's troubles. And while I want to be grateful for the Olympics and what the efforts are there, I also have to be aware of what's really happening in the world, what's been developing here lately is some things that's been happening. I'm going to read something to you here out of the uh, Kippinger report here in just a moment. Uh, but what's been happening in the world there is that China has decided that they want to take back uh, Formosa, the country of Formosa, and uh, they want to take that country back. That country was originally uh, the, the Chinese nationalists. They were under Chiang Kai-shek back in World War II. And uh, he took the people who wanted to be, that is, free and be democratic and be like the rest of the world. He took them over to Formosa and they established that country called Taiwan. It's called Taiwan today. And China eventually became what all communism. China, red, you call them red China. And uh, Mao, I think, was the head of that. And then he passed away. And then they have a new one now and so forth. He continues on with it, trying to mix a little democracy in. Uh, they took Hong Kong back over. Hong Kong was a city that was Chinese, but it had been put in the hands of the British. And the British had advanced Hong Kong to a great extent beyond all of the other cities in China. And Hong Kong had excelled. So they left Hong Kong alone because the Chinese communists said it is our door to the outside world. And then finally, they decided they wanted to take Hong Kong back, and they did that. There's still many who resent that, don't like it, and so forth. And as long as the Chinese communists sort of left Hong Kong to do their own thing, uh, everybody was happy with that, but now they're tightening the device on it and saying we want you to be more communistic, want to be more like, like us, part of us, so forth. Now they've recently announced that they're going to take back Taiwan, that that's really the Chinese people that belong to China as well, even though it's across the, uh, the stretch of water there and so forth, but yet they want that land and that area as well. Uh, the Japanese have said, no way, that won't ever happen. We won't stand for it. The U.S. says, we will not stand for it. We are going to oppose that. European countries are going to oppose that. And China, China says, don't stop us. Don't even try to stop us. We're going to take it. So you understand here what I'm talking to you about. Underneath the, the beautiful side of everything and mankind's efforts to try to be harmonious. There's all of these undercover and underlying strife that continues to go on. Uh, North Korea having now the, the atomic bomb. 
uh, or the nuclear bomb, whatever, the, if you want to call it atomic or whatever it is, nuclear bomb. And uh, China standing somewhat supportive of North Korea. And uh, now you've got Iran pushing to get the, 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 the bomb as well. There are certain countries that have the bomb, but they all just sit on it and they just keep peace and they know that there's no way anyone could ever be a winner if they ever unleashed it. But folks, when you have all of these countries in the world that have access to the nuclear bomb and there's friction and there's desires to achieve and grow and reach and grab and all of these things, it's just a matter of time that something is going to break and trouble is going to come out. Now, I'm not telling you that tonight to scare you. I'm just telling you that that is all part of Bible prophecy. It's all in the Bible. And that it's time for it to come to pass. And I'm going to show you some things tonight to let you know that we are nearing the time in which things will not always be the same, but they're going to change. America is changing. America is changing. Uh, America has forgotten its uh, commitment to serve God or to be Christian or to be a uh, God-fearing nation. In God we trust, you know, its own coins and things like that. But there's much resentment by many people in America because America takes that position, that stand, and it's gradually shifting and changing. Uh, I won't go into a lot of details to it, but America is getting in trouble financially. This is something that a lot of people don't realize. Now, I've got an article here called the Kippinger Letter. I get this uh, periodically in the mail. It comes weekly, but uh, I'm not subscribing to it anymore. This is my last issue that I got, but this is what it says here. This has been coming. Uh, I used to get this when I was a young man. It comes out of Washington, D.C. Very authentic uh, Democrats and Republicans all alike. They all read this. Senators read it because these people are on the inside track of what's going on. And they said, this is what they said here, dear client, as Congress okays trillions in new spending, is it time to worry about the national debt? They started talking about that. They said that the federal debt is equal to 100% of the U.S. gross domestic production. The gross domestic production in America is what everybody collectively to, together were to earn in one year. That's the gross, uh, uh, the gross domestic uh, production. And that's what we would earn. If, what all, in other words, you take everybody's salary, put it all together. That's what America owes. We owe 100% of that figure, and it's up into the trillions of dollars, you can imagine. It goes on to say here that that's where we are now. Uh, Congress passed early this year. What they just passed about the spending will push it to 108%. And then if President Biden's proposal for several trillion more goes into effect, it will go to 114% by next year. Uh, previously, the highest record they ever had was 106% of the uh, gross domestic production, which was following World War II. We had spent so much money in World War II, and that's where it was. And then, of course, we were able to work ourselves back out of it and get straightened back out. Now, it goes on to say the picture darkens in about four years as many members of the baby boom generation who are still working retire and tap Social Security and Medicare. When they start 
taking, you know, drawing Medicare, Social Security, and so forth, it starts to jump up. With all those, as debts hits 130% by 2026, 120, 26% of the GDP. As the debt rises, so does interest cost for the Treasury. And it goes on, if nothing is done to rein it in, the debt becomes truly mind-boggling, as high as 260% of the GDP by mid-century, 600% by the end of the century. That's a long time off, and I realize it, and we're not even thinking of a word about it. But I'm just saying that what's happening is America is getting in debt over its head, and there's only so long that they can just keep printing out money and nothing to back it up. Do you understand what I'm saying here is that America is getting in trouble financially? We're getting in trouble morally in America. Morally. They've lost morales. They've, I saw on TV the other day where the uh, medical school, they're not wanting the word pregnant women to be used anymore. They call it pregnant person because we don't want to make a distinction between men and women. We want to like it all be the same. And they are change, trying to change things like that, which is weird and complicated, and uh, it's not even it's not even normal. Uh, the the areas of homosexuality and lesbianism was back in that old Greek culture. It developed after some time. It was despised by the rest of the world, and Greek fell. Greece fell. Finally, the Romans themselves, who despised the Greeks for it. They had cities given over to that. And I've talked to you about that, Pompeii. And Pompeii was destroyed by Mount Vesuvius in 79 AD. It just destroyed everybody. That's how they know so much about it, because everything that went on in that city, it was like frozen in time with all the ash and the freezing. And it wasn't freezing cold. It was freezing hot. It just annihilated everything like that. Now, I'm just trying to tell you here, that the whole world now is getting in a place and shape where it's time for us to see where we are and what is our position with God. It's important that every one of us have a walk with God and a place in God and have be in touch with God more than anything in the world. So when I ask this question, are we ready for what's coming on the earth, we can be individuals. Are we as individuals ready? For what's coming on the earth because these things are coming now i'm going to have you go if you look on your sheet of paper there uh, I, I can't quite reach that over there too well so i'm going to be referring to this uh the first number one here you might even can, can see it too well but you've got papers in your hand i'm going to go to number one here. i may just call it out to you but if you look at number one here uh and i'm looking at Matthew 24, 1. If you'd like to turn to Matthew 24, 1, I'm going to read the first three verses here in that chapter of Matthew. Matthew 1, uh, 20, 1, 20, uh, chapter 24, verses 1 through 3. And, but I can't reach it. I mean, I can't get over there. I to, yeah, thank you. Okay, that's better. That's better for me. Yeah, just pull it around over here. Okay, good. Thank you. Good. Okay, that helps me. And then I can point. And so this is where we're at right here. Matthew uh, 24, 1 through 3. Now, I'm going to show you some things here. I want you to notice here there are three questions that I even stated here 
that there are three questions about asked Jesus by his disciples while overlooking the Temple Mount. And the reason that they had done that is what Jesus had just said uh, previously to them. And I'm going to read that to you here in chapter 24, verse 1. Jesus went out, departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple because they were beautiful, beautiful. It was Zerubbabel's temple. Later on, it was refurbished called Herod's temple. It was a beautiful edifice, one of the most beautiful edifices in the then known world. And they showed him the temple like to say, Lord, what a beautiful temple we have here. Look, at, look what Jesus said in verse 2. Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. This is a prophecy that Jesus made that would happen to that temple. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, now apparently they went out from the Temple Mount and they went across the Kidron Valley up on the east side of the Temple Mount. And you can look out across from, from the Mount of Olives, you can look across the little short valley and you can see the Temple Mount over on the other side. Today, uh, it's the Dome of the Rock, as you know. It's the, the golden dome that you see there. It's a Muslim edifice. Uh, but it was the temple back then. And uh, verse 3, And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately asking, Tell us, now look at this closely, When shall these things be? That is the destruction of the temple. When shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming? That's another question. And... Of the end of the world. Or the word world here means the end of the age. That is the period of time that we are going to be in. Now, three questions were asked here. So this is what we are pointing out to you here. And they asked three questions. They asked the destruction of the temple, A. The return of Christ, B. C, the end of the world or the age. And this was the three questions that they asked. Now, I'm going just below that. These questions are also recorded in Mark and in Luke. Now, Mark and Luke. It was Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21 are all about the same. In other words, each one of these gospel writers was recording what Jesus said. Questions asked Jesus and what he stated. So they, each one of them talks about it, but they vary a little bit. They vary because each one's an individual. Each one's giving it like he heard it, like he, uh, he, he remembers it, and like uh, he was impressed to write about. And so he begins to write about it. Note, number one here, Luke gives the most information of the temple destruction and the disbursement of Israel. Now, they all give that information, but Luke gives the most thorough thorough information on that. I'm going to have you go to Luke chapter 21 for just a moment and read a couple of verses to you here. 21 and 20. And this is the uh, the scripture that you see uh, over here on this far right hand side. Now, look at verse 20. And when you shall see Jerusalem, he's talking about the temple destruction now in the, in the city of Jerusalem. And when you shall see Jerusalem Compass with armies, then know that the desolation thereof is nigh or near. Know then, Jesus is telling them that. 
Whenever you see the armies coming around Jerusalem, you know that it's going to happen. Look down at verse 24. I'm going to save time by just reading going down, jumping to 24. And they, that's the Jews, they, the Jewish people, shall fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles. Notice that. Now he's describing here what would happen. In 70 AD, folks, that is exactly what happened. Exactly what happened. The Roman armies came down. They surrounded that city. They went inside. They destroyed everything. Even Titus, the Roman general, the young, young general, he ordered the troops not to tear the temple down. And Josephus, who records it, says it was as though they never heard him. He was screaming to his generals, tell those men not to tear the temple down. And the generals was crying to the men, don't tear the temple down. And they were tearing it down to the right down, just like Jesus prophesied it would be. I'm just trying to tell you here that the word of God is always right and it always comes to pass. We can bank on it. Praise the Lord. So he says here, and I'm going to finish reading this 24th verse. Uh, it goes on to say, and Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles. And then it says, until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. That's how long Jerusalem is going to be trodden down of the Gentiles. Until the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled. Now, I'm telling you that because the time of the Gentiles is the church age. And I've got that in your... The church age is... Uh, right, number two. The church age is mentioned as the times of the Gentiles in Luke 21, 24. I just read that to you. And also in Romans 11.25. I'm not going to go to Romans 11.25 because it says the same thing. But this is Paul's writings. And he says that the, the uh, that Israel uh, and Jerusalem will be trodden down for, until the time of the Gentiles over. The time of the Gentiles, folks, is when God has opened the gospel up to the whole world. We are Gentiles. The Jews are those who are of Abraham. Gentiles everybody else. That's us. And after the Jews rejected Jesus and crucified him and all those things and rejected Christ, then the gospel, then Jesus turned to the Gentiles and said to those disciples, go into all the world, preach the gospel. Whoever believeth and is baptized should be saved. Who they believe it not should be damned. This is in Mark. And then Matthew 28, 19, go into all the world, preach the gospel, baptizing name and so forth. We know the name is Jesus. And uh, this gospel you know, which shall not depart and so forth. I won't get into detail on that. Only to tell you this, that the Lord, praise the Lord, now is still reaching the world with the gospel. That's where we still are. Do you understand that? This is where we still are, but we're coming down to the end of it. I'm going to show you some scripture here in a moment to help us understand where we are. We're coming down to the end of it. And the Lord said, of course, those things would come to pass. Now, I'm going to have you go over with me, if you would, for a moment to over to uh, Hosea 6.2. This is uh, mentioned in part three here. About how long it will be found, that is the time of the Gentiles. About how long will it be found? Uh, how, about how long it will be found is found in Hosea 6.2. And I want you to look with me in Hosea 6.2 because this is a very interesting before I read 62, I'm going to, this is not in your notes, but I'm going to look at 
3, 4. This is Hosea now. Hosea is prophesying way back 500 years before Christ about what was going to happen when all this would come about. Look at uh, 3 and 4 of Hosea. The children of Israel shall abide many days without a king and without a prince and without a sacrifice and without an image. An image is the temple. That's the object that they would they would have. Not a, not a worship image, but an object they would have that was where God was. And without an ephod, that's what the priests wore. And without ter- uh, teraphim, uh, that's other things that they had. Verse 5. Afterwards, afterwards, many days they shall abide like that without a temple. Afterwards shall the children of Israel return and seek the Lord their God, David their king, and shall fear the Lord and his goodness in the latter days, the latter days. And when it speaks of David their king, remember Jesus Christ was the son of David. You know, that blind man, blind Bartimaeus, the son of David, have mercy on me. They knew that Jesus was the son of David. So when David the king, that was speaking of Jesus Christ's coming and his goodness in the latter days. Now over here, beginning back to 6-2, talks that the Lord is just going to leave them. He'll, he, won't, he won't do anything. He'll let them stay out there. That last verse, in fact, chapter 5 says, I will go and return to my place till they acknowledge their offense and seek my face and their affliction. They will seek me early. Now, Hosea 6, 1 and 2. And it goes on to say here in these two verses. Come, let us return unto the Lord, for he hath torn, he will heal us. He hath smitten and he will bind us up after two days. Everybody see that? Now, put a ring around this verse if you've got your Bibles. After two days will he revive us. In the third day he will raise us up and we shall live in his sight. This is talking about Israel now, after two days. Wait a minute. Brother Mark, two days. I mean, that happened in 70 A.D. And Jude were scattered in all the world. Two days? That's, that's, that's been a, quite a while back. What he's talking about when he says two days is that each day is a thousand years. You say, Brother Myers, where do you get all that? Not from the Bible. <laughs> I'm glad yes. We're going to go to the scripture on it. Praise the Lord. Look in Second Peter 3.8. Second Peter 3, 8. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. That's what, that's what the Lord meant when he said to Adam and Eve, in the day that you eat of this fruit, you shall surely die. It wasn't a 24-hour day he was talking about. They ate the fruit, 24 hours rolled by, another 24 hours, and nobody died. He said, must God's word must not be true. No, no, no. He wasn't talking about a 24-hour day. He was talking about a dispensational day, a thousand years. Adam lived to be 930 years, and he died. Methuselah was the longest living person ever lived. He lived to be 969 years, and he died. But nobody ever lived beyond a thousand, because in the day, in the day of the year of these fruit, you surely does. That day it was a thousand years. And that's what, that's what, uh, this scripture is referring to. Uh, after two days will I revive. And of course, Peter, uh, John, uh, Peter's mentioned that over here in Second Peter. Now, it also is mentioned in Psalms. I got another scripture there. If you look at Psalms 90 and 4. 
Psalms 94, for a thousand years in thy sight are but as yesterday, when it is past, or as a watch of the night. A watch of the night is about one-third of a night. In other words, just a short time as far as God is concerned. So, when I mentioned over here in Hosea 6, two, after two days he will revive us, apparently it's talking about 2,000 years. And it, just, it says, after two days he will revive us. The third day he will raise us up. We shall live in his sight. And when you read that over in Second Peter, it says, a day with the Lord is as a thousand years. Not exactly a thousand. You understand? But as a thousand. It's right in there somewhere. Now, anybody know how long it's been since Jerusalem was destroyed? Huh? It's been, we're right there at it, right? We're close. This is, if I understand, if I understand it right, this is 2021, right? We're in 2021. It's been 2,000 years since Christ was born. Christ died in 30 A.D. Jerusalem was destroyed in 70 A.D. Right in there, same same century. I'm just pointing out to you here, it's time for the Lord to come back. and Because that's the next major thing that's going to happen whenever these things begin to come forth. Now, uh, I'm going to go to this number five here. One, But no one thing exactly... When Jesus will return. And uh, I want you to look at Matthew 24, 36 with me. Matthew 24, 36. Praise God. Nobody knows when the Lord is coming. Nobody knows exactly. We've had people who, we, not us, but in the world. Preachers. We've tried to say Jesus was going to come in a certain such a year. I've even seen where they said a certain date. I think the last time I heard that he was going to come, I forgot what year it was, but they even had the date. It was like December the 26th or something like that. I don't know. They even put the date on there. I remember as a young man going to Bible college up in St. Paul, St. Paul, Minnesota. And sometimes I'd drive over to Minneapolis and there's a big old billboard. Right on the Mississippi River there, as you cross the Mississippi River, it says, Jesus is coming back on such as usually a date that was right down like maybe a month or two away. And I'd, I'd go across that bridge and I'd read it. And, and so maybe two weeks later, I'd go across the bridge and they'd change the date. They keep putting it back. That's, that's, been, uh, that's been many moons ago because that, that's when I was only 17 years old when all that was going on. You understand what I'm saying? That people have been set in times and days nobody knows. Let me give you some scripture for that. Look at Matthew 24 and 30. Matthew 24, 36. We'll start with that one. Matthew 34, 24, 36. But of that day and that hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven. You with me on that? He's talking about the coming of the Lord. If I can back up to verse 31, you don't have that in your notes, but 31 says, And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of the heaven to the other. That's talking about the rapture and the coming of the Lord. This is verse 31. Now I'm going to 36 back. This is what I just got through reading. But of that day and hour know of no man, know not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. That means God Almighty is the only one that the angels don't know. Look down in verse 42. Watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. I'm right here now in verse 42. The next one is 44. Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not the Son of Man cometh. 
There's three verses right there in one chapter that says nobody knows and for us to be watchful because nobody knows. Verse 50, this is a, a response to a short parable that Jesus gave about a man who was a servant to a man and was given responsibility by his master. Verse 50, and the Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him and in an hour that he is not aware of. And he was liking that parable unto Jesus going away and leaving responsibilities to us to live for God, walk with God, be a child of God, and then he's coming back. Now, one other verse, and that's four verses right there in the 24th chapter. In chapter 25, I'm going to verse 13. This is one more verse. Watch, therefore, for we know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. Everybody understand what we're saying? Nobody knows the day of the coming of the Son of Man. Praise the Lord. We can know about, and we know that it's time. We know that after two days, or after 2,000 years, it's time for the Lord to come back. Now, if we were living 1,000 years ago, and we looked at that verse of Scripture, we'd have to say, well, the Lord's not coming back yet for another 1,000 years. But today... We know it's time for him to come. Now, number six here. There will be signs of his coming. Everybody follow me on that? There's going to be signs of his coming. I want you to go to Luke 21, 25 with me for a moment. Luke 21, 25. Praise God. And uh, we were just in Luke a while ago. And he says this, and there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth, distress of nations. Everybody see that? These are signs, distress of nations. Uh, this is talking about the times of the Gentiles. In that verse 24, just above it, until the time of the Gentile be fulfilled. And there shall be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars and upon the earth, distress of nations, perplexities. The sea and the waves roaring, that's tsunami. Tsunamis are tidal waves, and that'll happen. Men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. I'm going to point out a couple of things to you. Verse 27, then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And when all when these things begin, look at that. To come to pass. When you begin to see these signs, then look up and lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh or draweth near. Praise the Lord. And then he gives a parable about a fig tree. When you see the fig tree blooming, you know that it's time for the figs to come forth. The figs come out whenever they, it begins to bloom. Fig tree, a fig does that. Jesus likened Israel unto the fig tree. And that's what Israel is happening to do. They're starting to bloom a little bit. We're starting to see some things come about and happening. When you begin to see that, then know that we're nearing the time. And so he says it again in verse 31. Uh, I'm still here in the 20, uh, Matthew 24, uh, I mean Luke 20, uh, 21, 31, I'm sorry. 21, 31. So likewise ye, when ye see these things come to pass, know ye that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand or near at hand. Now, I'm pointing all these things out here to show you, praise the Lord, that we can see signs, that signs will be there, and God has promised us that he'll give us signs. That scripture is also found in, in the Matthew and other verses that pretty well say the same thing. 
That's because Luke and Mark and Matthew sometimes repeats. They don't repeat, but they say pretty well the same thing. So rather than read everything, I'm not going to try to do that. Now, look at number seven here. The Lord's coming will be an everyday kind of day. Everyday kind of day. Look at Matthew with me. Going back to Matthew a minute. I want you to go with me at this time to, uh, I think it's, yeah. Go to Matthew 24 and verse 37. Matthew 24, 37. I'm going to read 24, 37. Look at this very closely here. This is talking about how it will be when Jesus comes. Now, that's the next major event to take place is the coming of Jesus. Because that's what, uh, that's what they were answering here in this 24th chapter of Matthew. What shall be the temple destroyed? That happened. Uh, what shall be the sign of that coming? So Jesus is talking about that. Everybody with me on verse 37? But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. Eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. It's an everyday kind of a day. Things, life's just going on normally. Are you with me on that? That's where we are right now. Everything's going on just normally. Eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. Until the day that Noah entered into the ark. When it was going to be all over with. The door, Noah entered into the ark to be saved. God put him in the ark, praise the Lord, so that he would be saved from the flood that was coming. Get in the church, folks. Amen. The old ship of Zion. Get in it. <laughs> praise the Lord. We don't, we're not got getting into a boat or an ark, but you get in the kingdom of God. You get in the church. I don't mean the church building. And I don't mean it has to be necessarily your name on the book. I'm talking about your relationship with Jesus in the body of Christ. Repent of your sins. Be baptized in Jesus' name. Be filled with his spirit. Live a God-fearing, godly, holy life before the Lord. Walk with him. Believe in him. Trust in him. And God will keep you. Praise the Lord. He's promised that he would. Moving on here very quickly. And he goes on to say here that uh, they entered into the ark. Verse 39. And they knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. So disaster, trouble, problems, everything that has, looks like is on the horizon that's going to happen will happen after the rapture takes place, after the Lord comes. Verse 40, then shall two be in the field. One should be taken, one should be left. That's the rapture. Two people out working together side by side. All of a sudden the rapture takes place, one's taken, one's left. It's described over in First Thessalonians. We'll get to that in a minute here. Look at verse 41. Two women shall be grinding at the mill. One taken, one should be taken. The other left. So again here, the rapture will take place. He says in verse 42. Well, I won't read that one. Watch there. But verse 41, two women should be taken. Now, what I'm doing here is I'm showing you scripture here uh, where that is talking about the Lord's coming uh, will be at a time when uh, the Lord will just. Now, look at Luke 17 with me for a moment. I'm going to another scripture here. I believe it's the verse I want. This is uh, where Luke talks about the same thing. He says, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall be in the same. He says that in 26, 27. But in 28, he mentions also Lot. He mentions, he gives another illustration that Matthew does not give. 
Look at verse 28 here. I'm looking at 1728 here of Luke. Luke 1728. Is everybody still with me? Is it, am I, I haven't lost it yet, have I? I've got some good things to bring out here in a minute. Likewise also it was in the days of Lot. They did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built it. Notice here is an everyday kind of a day. And then suddenly, but the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven. In other words, what he's saying is that when the rapture takes place and the church is taken out, amen, that's when the judgments of God are going to come. All of these things that we begin to see, signs of them, there are signs out there. Uh, the things going on out here in the world, they're signs to us. They're not going to happen yet, but when the rapture takes place, they will begin to happen. I'll show you scripture on that in a moment. So he goes on to say here, verse 29, But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Verse 30, Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Praise the Lord. So I've showed you these things here to show you that God is going to send down his judgment. Now, number eight here, the Lord's coming described by Paul in 1 Thessalonians 4. This is what we've been talking about, the rapture and so forth. If you go to 1 Thessalonians 4, and you, many of you know this by heart, it's not something you don't know. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 15. Everybody with me? For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not pre-event them which are asleep. That word prevent is really pre-event. means they will not upstage them or happen before them. In other words, the alive in Christ will not be changed into a glorified body before the dead rise. Notice that. It will not pre-event them which are asleep. Now, the Bible doesn't say those that are dead in Christ. It says those that are asleep in Christ. It's a nice way of saying that they've gone on. To, their bodies are in the grave, but their spirits are with God. But they're going to rise and be raised in the resurrection. Verse 16. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel. This is, we call it the rapture. And with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. That's what we were just talking about. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Isn't that a wonderful hope that we have? Praise the Lord. So I'm just pointing that out to you here. Now, this is also found very detailed uh, in... Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, I won't go into detail of that, it's pretty well the same thing, but it talks about the dead in Christ being raised first, and then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. It talks about the corruptible shall put on incorruption, and the mortal shall put on immortality. Corinthians use, Paul uses that language when he's talking in 1 Corinthians. Now, let me talk to you a little bit here. Verse number 2. As we approach the end time, there are three categories of unusual events that will begin to happen. Three things that will begin to happen. Now look very closely here. A, the earth will produce earthquakes, famines, tsunamis, tidal waves, erratic weather patterns. These are things that this is something that's going to happen. The earth will begin to act up. This is one of the characteristics. 
And uh, I'm going to go to this one next one, then I'll get we'll cover it all there. B, the human race will create wars and strife among nations. They will begin to act up. Nations will be fighting each other. I want you to go to Matthew 24, 6 and 8. I'm reading all these to just substantiate here what we have been talking to you about. Matthew 24. Look at verse 6. Matthew 24, 6. You shall hear wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled. Now let me just say this to the church. You're going to hear about them. There's going to be conflicts. There's going to be some strife. And we're going to keep hearing about it. Just remember there are signs. There are signs that we're approaching the coming of the Lord. And folks, I'm going to say this again. I don't know how to emphasize it. But with all these nations, I can name them off, a bunch of them, that have the nuclear weapon. They're not going to all sit on those weapons when they've got anger and malice and hatred in their heart for another country. You know that Israel is in a tight spot. You know that. I mean, Syria would wipe out Israel in a heartbeat if they could do it and get away with it. They can't. They know they can't. Because America has stood beside Israel on all those things. So they won't touch Israel. I heard just this past week about a report that Syria, the, the country that's just north of Israel, Syria, has been digging a tunnel underneath through solid rock, trying to build a tunnel underneath up into Israel so they can either feed troops or whatever they want to do, bombs or whatever they want to, trying to do it. And they've discovered that tunnel. They've discovered it. Uh, North Korea did that with South Korea many moons ago. And I was in Korea, went to the 38th parallel where North and South Korea is, and went down in the South Korean tunnel and went clear back to the back of the tunnel. You could walk in it. It's just a narrow path. They got it all lit up now. Walk to the back to the very end where the 38th parallel actually is a spot. And there is a South Korean soldier guarding that spot. And just on the other side of that wall is North Korea. This is in a tunnel. North Korea was digging it. They discovered they went down and matched up with them and said, you don't come any further. You come any further here. It's all over with. They left that tunnel there so they could show the world what North Korea was doing. They were pretending, all's peace with us. We don't have no problem. And all the time they're trying to dig a tunnel under. This is what Syria has been doing toward Israel. Do you understand what I'm pointing out to you here? All of these little things that are happening in the world. And everything, and, you know, we do the Olympics, and, you know, teams play sports against each other. This one wins, and everybody claps in there. And, uh, you know, we're happy for our country, and, our, and we won, they won. Whatever. But underneath all of that is the real danger that and crazy people get in places of position and in positions of authority and places of, uh, of, of dictatorship or whatever. And you don't know what they're going to decide they're going to do. So I'm just trying to tell you here, the world is getting in a very serious, precarious situation. So I'm going to read this sixth verse again to you. Look at it again. You shall hear wars and rumors of war. See that you be not troubled, for these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nations shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. 
And there shall be famines, notice that, famines and pestilence and earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Famines, pestilence, earthquakes, all of these are the beginning of sorrows. These are things that's coming on the earth. I, uh, I haven't gotten into this yet, but there's a place in the, in the scriptures, I may talk to you one day about it, where it talks about the end time and there being a disease that will hit the world. I can show you in scripture on it. There's several places in the Bible. A disease will hit the world. Now, I'm not saying that this pandemic that we're in right now is, is uh, the one that we've got going. I'm not saying that's the one. But whenever all these things begin to happen, there's going to be some conflicts like that will come. And it's going to come up on the earth. I can uh, show you into it. You know, I won't get into details on that now. Let me give you another verse here in 24 and 29. Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened. This is where the sun, the moon, stars are affected. And the moon shall not give her light. The stars shall fall from the heaven. Stars shall fall from heaven. And the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. Now, I can go to Isaiah 13, 10, show you where it's recorded there. And go to Ezekiel 32, 7, show you where it's recorded there. These things are not just in Revelation, but they're also recorded in the Old Testament as well. Let me move on here. There will be signs in the heavens, Matthew 24, 29. I just read that one to you. So we got signs of the, in the earth. The human race will create wars and strife among nations. And, ver- and see, there will be signs in the heavens, Matthew 24. Now, what's happening now? America is getting into more financial trouble. I just talked to you about that. China's recent decision to overtake Taiwan. Japan and the U.S. are strongly opposing this. And that thing is just starting. It's not even, it hasn't even begun. It's nothing about ending. It's just started. We're going to hear more and more about that. I don't know where that's going. But somebody is going to be forced to back down on it if they, if they keep peace. And uh, I don't know how that's going to be. Now, I'm going to finish up with this one. Capture <coughs> takes place. There's going to be some things that will happen on the earth. I want you to go with me to Revelations chapter 6. Revelation chapter 6. We've been in, uh, in Matthew 24 there. Which is the prophecies of Jesus, 24, Luke 21, <clears throat> Mark 13. These are all prophecies of Jesus. This is in, Matthew, this is in Revelation 6. Look at one here. This is where the judgments of God begin to happen. Now, folks, when the rapture takes place, it's going to shake the world. You know that. People disappearing all over the world. The Bible, and I could give you a lot of scripture. I didn't go into all the detail because I think you understand that. We do not yet know how we shall appear, but we shall be like him. For we, shall, we shall see him as he is. We'll have a glorified body like us in his glorified body. You know, uh, We'll just suddenly will disappear. Two in the field, one taken, one left. All of a sudden, one's left and the other one's gone, you know. Whatever. That's the rapture. After the rapture takes place, there's things that will begin to come on the earth. But people will be upset, like, what happened? And there's got to be some kind of a peace brought on the world, like, everything's going to be okay. We're all okay. We're, we're All of us still here, we're here, you know. 
just calm down, that kind of a thing. Especially backsliders. Backsliders will be pulling their hair. They're thinking, I missed the rapture. Don't miss the rapture, folks. Live for God, serve God. Whatever the cost, whatever the price, walk with God, serve the Lord. It's a minor thing. The Lord's got something great for us, praise the Lord. He has. Just believe him for it. Now, let me finish reading here. Verse 1. And I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals and heard as it were the noise of thunder, one of the four beasts saying, Come to me. See, these beasts were, these uh, seals were seals of judgment that's being opened. Verse 2. And I saw and behold a white horse. This is the first seal. Look at this. And he that sat on him had a bow, but no arrows. And a crown was given unto him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. With no arrows, just a bow, which means it's a peace, but a false peace. What will happen following the rapture will be a false peace. And let me just give you a real quick verse to go with that. And uh, this is found over... Is, is, this is in First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 2. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. Thief in the night. Amen. And the Bible talks about how all these things are coming to the earth. Praise the Lord. Come as a thief in the night. Now look at verse 3 there. I'm looking at 5 and 3. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 3. For when... For, for when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon thee, upon them, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, now Paul is talking to the church here, ye, brethren, are not of darkness, that that day, that's the coming of the Lord now, should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light, the children of day. You are not of the night, but nor, nor of the darkness. Verse 6, therefore let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. Verse 9, for God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. So all the wrath is going to be mentioned here in chapter 6. That's not for us. That's for the world after we are taken out of the world. All right. Now, I'm going to read another, number two here. I'm going back to Revelation chapter 6 and verse 2. So the first one was white horse number 2, verse 2, and it shall be only for a season. And then it's to be a false speed. Verse 3, look at this very closely. When he had opened the second seal, I heard the second beast say, come and see. And there was went out another horse which was red. And power was given unto him that set thereon to take peace from the earth, and that they should kill one another. And there was given him a great sword. You got your Bible, put a ring around the word great. Not just a sword, but a great sword. Verse 5, And when he had opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say, Come and see, and behold, a low, a black horse. It's him that on him had a pair of balances in his hands. That represents famine. And heard the voice in the midst of the beast say, A measure of wheat for a penny, and three measures of barley for a penny. And see, thou hurt not the oil and the wine. The oil and wine is the rich. The poor are going to get devastated here in all of this. The rich can still survive a little longer, but not much longer. Look at verse 7. And when he had opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth beast say, Come and see. 
And I looked and behold a pale horse. And his name that sat on him was death and hell followed with him. And power, look at this closely, and power was given unto them over the, that's the horses now, the, the, the war, the famines, and now death. Power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth to kill with the sword and with hunger and with death and with the beasts of the earth. Now, I'm just telling you what's coming out. A fourth of the world, a fourth of the population does not survive past the eighth verse of chapter 6. This is after the Lord has come and all these things. So what I'm pointing out to you here, we see the sign. We see these things developing. And what it tells us is simply, be ready to meet the Lord. Folks, be ready to meet the Lord. Don't, don't play around with the world. Don't play around with sin. Don't play around with God in this thing. This is a very important thing. And the Lord wants everyone else to be saved. And he has a wonderful, wonderful reward for those who will walk with him and serve him. Aren't you glad you know the Lord? Aren't you glad that he's given us a hope, praise the Lord, that's beyond all hopes? Let's stand together and let's just give God the praise and let's thank him and glorify his wonderful name. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we love you so much. Lord, we praise you. Thank you for your people. Thank you for these that are here tonight. Thank you, Lord, for the word of God that is a light unto our feet and a lamp unto our pathway. Thank you, Jesus, for your spirit that you help us to live for you and walk with you, God. You give us power and grace through your spirit. Thank you, God, for your love and your mercy to us, God. Where would we be without your love? Thank you for the grace of God, Lord, for without your grace we are nothing and can do nothing and will be nothing. But your grace has given us Calvary. Your grace has given us, Lord, a chance to be saved. Thank you, Lord, for your love for your church. We give you the praise and glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, praise the Lord. Let's say it real loud. Praise the Lord. God bless you. You're dismissed.